Today, Israel is poised for Hezbollah to enter the war as Biden promises to veto the latest House bill sending Israel aid and the Sam Bankman-Fried verdict is in. We've got all of that and more coming up and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and I'm joined today by Blaze TV contributor Eric July, also founder of Ripaverse Comics and Stuper Gear, host of Stu Does America, which you can find right here on Blaze TV. Um, so the House of Representatives just approved, with the help of 12 Democrats, I would say, 12 Democrats along with Republicans approved sending $14.3 billion in federal aid to Israel. This was a vote that was 226 to 196 yesterday. Like I said, 12 Democrats joining Republicans in order to pass the bill. And, you know, you heard Speaker um, Mike Johnson. I don't know why I can't just say Speaker Johnson. I feel like I have to say Mike Johnson every time. Um, but Speaker Johnson said, we're not going to, if we, if we send anything to Israel, we're going to cut it from somewhere else. We're not just going to pull in new funds. We're going to take the funds from somewhere else and reallocate it. And it looks like he is following through on that so far. So um, they say that the funding will be reallocated from money that was meant for the IRS in Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. There were two Republicans who voted against the bill, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Thomas Massey. Um, and Biden, of course, had already said that he would veto a standalone Israel aid bill. I don't know why, if you say that you, I know what Eric would say, but I'm saying if you're Joe Biden and you're the White House and you say Israel is our ally and you've already given billions and billions and billions of dollars to Israel uh, for years now, I don't know why you would say I'm going to veto this bill because it's a standalone bill. If you truly had Israel's best, you know, you had the best intentions for Israel, I don't know why you would do that. Now, I am going to toss it to you guys. I do know exactly where Eric's going to go. <laughs> and I don't disagree with him. <laughs> but Eric, please, go ahead. Yeah, uh, there's a reason why Massey voted against these. To me, the only... Uh I'll take Nah, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> he's, the, he, he's the only one of those guys that are in the House of Representatives or, and or the Senate that's actually worth a crap. I mean, unless you want to add Rand Paul that's in there. Of course, he's going to look at it from the spending uh, perspective and the fact that we continue to give billions of dollars in aid to countries that aren't ours. I completely understand. Two things can be true, Sarah. Exactly. exactly Two things right. can be true. Yes. They're stuck and they have their own intentions a hundred percent. It's not like they dislike spending. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that two things can be true, considering that well, they all were kind of in on in the money that they gave uh, to Ukraine. The fact that you got a bill that seems to more so focus uh, on on one specific uh, issue, which I think everybody should find more preferable exactly. uh, than piling everything in one bill like they historically do uh, anyway, and then voting on it um, or, or whatever. So that's not the issue or the fact. I would say this. It's way more of an issue if the problem that Joe Biden or the Democrats have is that, well, we can't lump everything else in right. there with it. That shouldn't even be a right. part uh, of the problem. But, you know, considering the history of the last uh, couple of years, or well, if you want to talk about foreign aid, we can go last decades. At one point when you say, yeah, no, people are always going to point to what happened before that, then what happened before that and what happened before that. 
everybody's minds focus on what happened with Ukraine. So in the event you cut off anything in Israel, people are going to say, well, we just gave all them all this money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're less of an ally than what an Israel uh, is, is fact, the point that people are going to make. So there's no no winning there. Uh, at all. But yeah, to your point, Democrats are not against this. And Joe Biden certainly isn't against this because of of spending. Uh, If there's anybody money that I would prefer or any institution that I would prefer not be getting money, it's absolutely the IRS because it shouldn't exist uh, in the first place. But I'd uh, of course, I mean, maybe it's the easy way way out. Um, I prefer to just keep my damn money in the first place because they shouldn't have had it. So when we talk about re, if we're going to talk about the perfect case scenario, if if we want to reallocate funds, how about the people that were stolen from keep it and y'all don't ever get your greasy hands on it? Yeah. How about we reallocate it back to my <laughs> pockets? But yeah. that can't happen. It's already gone. How about the, just no allocation? Yeah, there we go. So how we don't need just, to re. Yeah, how about no allocation? We don't need to add re onto allocation because I just it's just my money that I earned and I just keep it because it's my money and taxation is theft. Yes. Maybe. That's a crazy idea. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, look, the the... If I had to choose between sending money to Israel, really for any purpose, <clears throat> and uh, and sending it to the IRS, I would choose Israel every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I understand that. <laughs> um, but it, it, I mean, look, if you're going to send money to Israel, it makes sense to pay for it with a bunch of waste from another department. Right. There's, I mean, that's that's a sensible approach. Um, if you're going to spend that money anyway, um, it is. Also, like, you know, obviously the reason they're doing this and the reason they're opposing this bill is because they want their money for Ukraine and 57 mm-hmm. other things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, mm-hmm. no, we all know you guys really want to give money to Israel. So we need to tie that to the things that we want, too, so we get all of it. I mean, it's a disgusting approach. I mean, even if you just go pragmatically, like, the first $6 billion to go to Israel in the middle of a war is a lot more vital than the 300 to 320th billion that go to Ukraine, right? Like, I get that, you know, even if you support those efforts, it doesn't make much sense to withhold it to Israel, unless, of course, you're just trying to scam people out of even more money uh, for your pet projects. And that does seem, because it's not even just Ukraine. There's Mm -hmm. 20 other things they're trying to fund with with the same money and tying it all together. So, I mean, I look, Israel has a right to defend itself. They don't See, they're the one country that doesn't seem to want us to be throwing our troops over there, and I respect that quite a bit. Um, but I would rather look. I, I don't mind selling arms to uh, to Israel, right. you know, and I think that's the better approach. Even if you're putting it on a card that they may never pay back, at least there's some idea that we don't just give yeah. things away constantly and get involved in war after war after war because. Look, I'm a guy who really cares about spending. I, the Republicans gave up caring about this, I don't know how long ago. I mean, they never really cared about it, but they used to give at least lip service. Um, mm-hmm. The past, I don't know, seven or eight years, they haven't even given lip service to it. Um, but I do. I really do care about it. We bring on budget experts all the time and talk about what, how, what level of hell we're currently in. Um, but when it Wait, comes what level to, is that? <laughs> oh, eighth level of hell. Okay. Actually, below the seventh <laughs> level. Um, but when it comes to this stuff, like... I, my concern of spending is actually secondary. I am concerned that Joe Biden is going to get us into World War III. Mm-hmm. He has absolutely no ability to do anything competently. And the fact that he keeps inserting himself into hot zone after hot zone after hot zone is there's a likely cause and effect going on there. Eventually, he's going to piss off one of these people who is the opponent of uh, whoever, whatever proxy we're supporting. And at the end of the day, we're going to wind up on the other end of a bunch of explosions. And I really don't want that to happen. I've got kids to raise here and Mm -hmm. don't want to raise them in the middle of World War III.
So then um, the latest reporting that shows that Hezbollah is threatening escalation um, with Israel and the Wall Street Journal reporting that Russia's uh, Wagner Group plans to send air defenses to Hezbollah. Does that excite you or not excite you? I'm going to go negative on that one. Really? I, I'm not so a big you, fan. So, it, that, so escalating to World War Three. You're still not a fan of? No, I've, okay. I've, I've remained on the record wow. opposing it. Um, yes, and I, I look, Israel absolutely has the right to do something here. Like they, they were attacked, yeah. and just you know, honestly, like it's not as popular these days to talk about it. But it's like Ukraine was also attacked, and like they have Ukraine has a right to defend themselves. Sure, Israel, none of my business, right? Israel has a right to defend itself. We have a much more close, uh, you know, they're much closer allies. We pointed out, um, but. It doesn't mean we have to get in the middle of every one of these things. We do not have to be the world, you know, we don't need to be the world's policeman. We don't need to be monitoring every single one of these, uh, you know, back and forth. If it serves our interest, that is the the line here. And um, and even if it, you know, the problem is they can always justify that. You know, this is the issue that we've, we've hit over and over and over again. Everyone likes to claim it serves our interest. It really has to be direct. We, we should be trying to avoid these things as, as much as humanly possible and our, our position right now seems to be the opposite of that. Just get into whichever one we can justify. And uh, honestly, like, I, you know, there have been times, you know, you go back even, the, you know, Iraq's a good example of this. We could justify the, what we did in Iraq. You could justify it. They were firing at our planes. We didn't have to do it, though. And that really should be where we desi uh, design our foreign policy. Only when you absolutely have to engage in one of these things, you should, because it's always going to cost you treasure, it's always going to cost you blood, and it's always going to make the world a much more complicated place. Yeah. Um, so I want to, you know, when we talk about just, just how bad uh, Hamas is as a terrorist organization, I mean, we see the, the we, we, we heard, we've had verified now, like we, they did really, really disgusting, despicable, I mean, these were war crimes, right? They went in, they murdered innocent civilians, they murdered innocent babies. You wanna gripe about, you know, bicker about how those babies were murdered. I, I, I'm really just upset that they're murdered. I don't need to bicker about exactly how they died. Um, they were murdered in cold blood. Uh, women were raped in the streets. They still have a bunch of Israeli hostage, hostages along with American hostages. I mean, we are talking about true evil. Can we, can we, like, there's no, there's no disputing that, right? Okay, so imagine writing a headline, MAGA and Christian nationalism, bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. Salon.com. That's what you're going to get over at Salon.com. MAGA and Christian nationalism, bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. Because I guess the idea that, we have an open border and that anyone with any intention, bad or good or pure evil, um, from any place, from any region, by the way, because there are all sorts of people walking across an open border. It's, I mean, the idea that someone who's involved in Hamas or Hezbollah or any other of these terrorist organizations could walk in, become a sleeper cell, plan a terrorist attack, Embark on that terrorist attack, kill millions of Americans, still is not as serious as MAGA. Not, not as big of a threat as MAGA. This is what these people are telling you. Well, if they universalize that position, it's Salon, they're a bunch of idiots, uh, most of them socialistic idiots at that. So if they universalize the position and we're talking about leftists in government, 
um, I'd, I'd give them some sort of empathy because, yeah, at least right now, for the most part, those guys uh, that you're talking about are on the other side of the, of the world and they're not necessarily here yet acting upon uh, anything crazy. But I'd make the argument that they are. Folks that work at Salon in terms of what they advocate is more of a threat to uh, national, national security uh, and certainly in my pocketbooks than... Uh, Israelis or whoever you want to uh, say or I don't I don't care just throw throw a name out there some conflict Ukrainians and and Russians or what or whatever if we're going to talk about factual information they're just trying to dumb down of course what's going on and put to their political enemy that's domestic and say you guys are a threat to us but like I said it's not a position that they actually uh, uh, universalize as we have all sorts of acts of aggression as well as Salon that has advocated for those acts of aggression uh, throughout the course of the last few years, especially what happened in the summer of love in 2020. We made fun of a lot of their headlines and the stupid stuff it is that they would say in covering uh, for uh, uh, leftists that were going around destroying uh, private property and even killing people uh, in some cases in, in during the summer of love. So. That's not a position that they universalize. People that are here, yeah, are more of a threat to folks over there. But I'd make the argument that folks like that, that write those articles are more of a threat as well. Yeah, well, so he he kind of he let me let me give you a little bit more details here um, to your point, Eric. So not only is he saying that a Republican Party is a party of terrorists, not only is he saying if you're MAGA, you're a terrorist, um, but he also said in an earlier piece, this Brian Karam, he lashed out at Republican lawmakers who dared suggest that the unpopular 80-year-old Democrat president, Joe Biden, exuded weakness and helped set the stage for attacks on Israel, neglecting to touch upon the distinct possibility that Hamas got their arms from Joe Biden's F-ups in Afghanistan. So really, it's how dare you suggest that Joe Biden's weakness may have set the stage for all of these world conflicts, global conflicts. How dare, how dare you, <laughs> how dare you point out that the guy is half dead? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems relevant, does it not? Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, because even just philosophically, I agree, I disagree with him, but it, at least if he was a competent leftist, right. leftist maybe you'd have, uh, I don't know, some hope. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't have much hope when it comes to Biden. Um, and, you know, this this approach by the media is, is the same thing. It's a constant standard, right? It's like, you know, Mike Johnson is, is was even worse than Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin mm -hmm. McCarthy was even worse than Paul Ryan. And Paul Ryan was even worse than John Boehner. And, you know... Uh, you know, Donald Trump is even, you know, worse than Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney was even worse than George, uh, than John McCain. And John McCain was even worse than George W. Bush. And you can just go back and back and back. Every single new, if, if DeSantis or Haley or somebody else wins, they will be worse than even Donald Trump. More dangerous. It's the same story every single time. And it's just a, it's just, it's a scare tactic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we can analyze it a lot, and, and there, are, there are points to be made on every side of this, but, like, generally speaking, they're just, they're just, it's a scare tactic. They want to vilify the Christian right to make them seem like the worst people in the world. So whenever they compare them to someone else who might be considered the worst, I mean, I think Hamas is a good, 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 right. good nominee for the worst people in the world. I mean, they'd be up there. They'd be on the list. they get a nomination, at right. least. Um, when you come up with that, well, just say the person who you're talking about and want to make the devil so people don't vote for them, make them even worse. Mm. It's a boring, honestly, a boring tactic, but mm. it, that is Salon, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Salon is, and there was a time where they at least attempted to be some sort of rational left-wing perspective. That time is a little, you know, decades gone at this point. They're just a, an insane failure of a blog at this point. I was just looking 
Yeah, he looks exactly how I thought that he would. Um, Brian Karam. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more, but we want to thank our sponsor, this segment, Eden Pure. So if you have uh, odors in your home that you can't get rid of, maybe you've got you know a zoo in your house like me, you got um, two dogs, two cats, a leopard gecko, which... Boy, when your uh, preteen boy tells you, I really want this lizard, I'm going to take care of it, don't believe him. <laughs> Do not believe him. Do you have any experience with that? We, uh, my son does happen to have a, a bearded dragon in mm -hmm. his room. But, it, you know, I don't think he, he doesn't do much cleaning, I'll tell you that. Yeah. He, does, he loves the dragon a little bit. Okay, well, this gecko in my house is now mine. Oh, I'm, the, I'm the only one who takes care of her. But anyway, uh, so the thunderstorm is there for those of you who, like I said, maybe you got litter box, maybe you've got cigarette smoke, you got animals in your house, you cook uh, cruciferous vegetables in your kitchen, and then the whole kitchen smells like a fart. Whatever the case may be, the thunderstorm starts working in seconds to clear the room of any odor. And there's no filters. It's just very simple. You just adjust the dial uh, to minimum or maximum, whatever your preferences and you get rid of that smell. They've had thousands of five-star reviews online, including mine, along with, I know, a lot of my viewers who have said that they have loved theirs. And right now you can save $200 on three thunderstorms for whole home protection. That is three units for under $200. It even gets rid of skunk smells, guys. Don't ask me how I know it because I have PTSD from that. You can go to EdenPureDeals.com, enter discount code Sarah. That is EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Sarah. Remember, there's no H. EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Sarah. Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty last night of embezzling $10 billion of his client's money in what the prosecution said was one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. Uh, he now faces, at 31 years old, he faces up to 115 years in prison. It was uh, seven counts against him. The jury reached their unanimous verdict in less than five hours. Uh, I know it, this says his parents were seen uh, crying when they read the the verdict, um, and I want to uh, I want to play the attorney for this case, the prosecution, um, after the uh, the guilty verdict. I want to play some of that. Watch. Sam Bankman-Fried perpetrated one of the biggest financial frauds in American history, a multi-billion-dollar scheme designed to make him the king of crypto. But here's the thing. Crypto, the cryptocurrency industry might be new. The players like Sam Bankman-Fried might be new. But this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption is as old as time, and we have no patience for it. When I became U.S. Attorney, I promised that we would be relentless in rooting out corruption in our financial markets. This is what relentless looks like. And he was um, the second highest donor to the Democrat Party, I believe. So just behind George Soros, I think they're going to be missing that money. Let's go ahead and take a little flashback here to uh, Sam Bankman-Fried on TikTok, uh, answering, how does it feel to be the richest uh, person less than 30 in the world? Watch. Pretty cool, I guess. How many shirts do you own? All the clothes I can fit in my backpack. What motivated you? The book, Doing Good Better, get a copy mailed to you for free here. Doing Good Better, it doesn't sound like that's how he lived his life, and now he will face up to 115 years in prison. That's tough. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, man, that's I, I, one way to put it. <laughs> that's tough. Um, 
You know, look, what I hope doesn't end up happening out of this, because, yeah, he's an absolute, you know, fraud. And there was a lot of people that got in on it that don't seem to be punished, uh, aren't going to be punished out of this, uh, that have some decent names. Um, nonetheless, you know, when I hear people and they're, I get it, not this whole crypto, what people call it, isn't for everybody. And I totally understand that. What I fear is that they're going to use this man in order to try to demonize essentially everything, whether it be with Bitcoin and stuff that's more, uh, that's actually legitimate, doesn't have some kind of head honcho manipulating uh, 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 money or whatever and trying to enrich them, uh, enrich themselves off of other people's uh, uh, bread. That's one thing that I fear comes out of this because the ignorant person looks at a situation like this and here's a guy talking about crypto and they're like, well, this is just what it is, right? Mm -hmm. this is a, and, and like to his point, it is new. And because it's new, uh, this is um, uh, uh, people that don't know any better are going to unfortunately look at that and, and maybe think that the whole entire thing is, uh, uh, is a fraud and people that participate in that as, as such. Um, so we'll see what happens. Media is trying their hardest to make that happen, right? They, mm. You know, they, the Times had a, a, um, uh, a headline. Of course, they were one of the people who were praising him when he was do donating Everybody to Democrats. Was. They loved him. Mm -hmm. um, but they said, you know, the collapse of Sam Bankman-Fried, which exposed, uh, you know, the entire crypto industry. And it's like, really? Did it? I mean, because it exposed that company that right. went yeah. bankrupt. But, like, I don't know, Coinbase still seems to be doing yeah. quite okay. And a bunch of other companies are as well. And that doesn't even exp they didn't even talk about the fact that like crypto was never designed to have these gatekeepers. Yeah, exactly. Like it's supposed that's, to be a trustless system. That's, that's right. So the exchange point. in and of itself is sort of antithetical to how it was created. Sam Bankman-Fried, though, is I mean, look, it's it's an interesting character. I just finished the Michael Lewis book about him, uh, Going Infinite, which came mm -hmm. out a few a few weeks ago, and it's it's a it's a pretty interesting read. In that, like, my impression going into it was like it was like. 90% Bernie Madoff and 10% something else. And after reading it and kind of, you know, reading some other stuff on him, it's it's underplayed how incompetent he was. Like it's 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 sort of like it's not it's not that he didn't have that he didn't break rules because he did and he broke lots of laws and he did all sorts of things he shouldn't have done and he should be going to prison. Mm -hmm. That being said, he also like had no idea what he was doing. He was a smart guy but a very weird guy. Um, a guy who got into crypto having almost no knowledge about it. He was a trader at another firm that had nothing to do with crypto, but just saw, thought, okay, well, there's these big spreads in these markets all over the world. I can take advantage of that. Knew nothing about crypto. Intentionally didn't hire crypto people throughout the building of his exchange. At one point, and sometimes I like stories like this, but at one point, FTX was the second biggest crypto uh, exchange in the world. And um, while Coinbase was third or fourth, Coinbase had 800 employees and FTX had 30. And it's like, well, now look, sometimes these like nice, you know, I mean, Coinbase is a pretty, you know, uh, streamlined organization as well. And like 30 people to our multiple billions of dollars they were trading all the time was a lot. And, and not to mention, they had money going back and forth between Alameda, that was the investment uh, uh, fund, and this. They broke all sorts of rules like that. But it, to me, reading his story was more about him thinking he could always cover himself. Like yeah. he, It wasn't as much as like, you know, he, he was famously moved out of a gigantic mansion in the Bahamas to live in like a hut. Yeah. Like he was not a, it wasn't a Bernie Madoff situation exactly. It's a little bit different. The end game, though, of course, should be the same. He did commit many, many crimes. And to, your, to the point I think you're getting at, too, Eric, where 
some of his co-workers did things that were just as bad and seemingly worse. And because they testified against him, they get minor penalties and he's going to get this major one. Now, he deserves the major one, but they probably do, too. The same thing happened with Enron. Andrew Fastow did almost all the damage, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with a bunch of these laws. He's out. He, he got out of prison. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't have the penalties that Skilling did or Ken Lay did. So I just think that, like, this happens over and over again. Our justice system says, hey, you second and third in charge, the people that no one knows their names, that you might have committed all those crimes. If you just testify against the guy everybody knows, we'll let you off. And I don't think that's a, that, that's a weird for- function of our justice system. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the time in prison that he faces, because um, that, that's horrible what he did with other people's money. However, it is fascinating to me um, how serious these crimes are taken. When I read the headlines all the time, there's like, you know, rapists who get off with really light sentences. I mean, people committing really heinous either sex crimes or violent crimes. I mean, you have people who are won't even get prosecuted in Democrat cities. They're getting let out of prison. They're, you know, like they they don't have to put up bail. Um, And then they go on to kill more people. And it's just really fascinating to me that, the government takes financial crimes, it seems to me, way more seriously than I guess at least you could say in blue states or blue cities than they take like violent crimes or sex crimes. Do you think that that's just because of the difference between the federal level and the state level? It's just weird. It's hard to say. Or maybe you disagree with the premise. I don't well, know. No, but it I, seems to be a well, pattern to me. No, I think once you definitely start dealing with that kind of money, um, they, they'll try to bring the hammer down. I just think they're more selective in, in who they pick and choose. They just need uh, like a fall guy. Yeah, they, yeah, who they pick and choose. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, if definitely if they can demonize them. Because to your point, like we look at donors and or people that were <laughs> uh, breaking bread with them, you know, they all turned on him pretty quickly. Uh, and he became just basically public enemy number one. And again, rightfully so, yeah. Stu's point, yeah. I mean, if, he, if he's doing all these bad things. But I, I do love what you bring up because yeah. that's that, that's a great point that maybe other things aren't punished as much, but they needed someone to fall back on. Yeah, it really highlights, too, like, the reaction to him. I mean, you look at the details of how this company was built. For example, this is a tech company, right? Mm -hmm. They had one guy writing all the code and no one else in the company knew how to write the code, knew how he did it. So like, I mean, think of this as a company structure. It's insanity. Like, what if this guy gets hit by a bus? They would have had no idea. There was stuff like that all the time. And like, you know, from an outside perspective, you're watching a Larry David commercial. You're like, oh, you choose FTX or I'll choose, you know, instead of Coinbase, who cares? But like, business reporters were fawning over this guy. Anybody who looked into him at all would have realized, not necessarily that he was committing crimes, but that he was not some brilliant business person who had a real plan here. And they were constantly fooled, or at least they allowed themselves to be fooled, right? They wanted the story to be true. They loved the guy who's playing video games while he's on conference calls. And he's got his, he's got, he's all disheveled. He has crazy hair. (laughs) And he's giving all this money to Democrats. He he must be a good guy. Mm -hmm. When in reality, if they looked at all, if they had any critical thinking at all, they would have caught this much, much earlier. And a lot of people would have been saved uh, from losing their life savings. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We will be back with more after we thank our sponsor, Preborn. So, um, look, 
Roe versus Wade was overturned and that was awesome news, but we still have a lot of work to do because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the left has become just kind of more ravenous uh, to abort innocent babies. And what preborn does that's so important is that preborn protects the most innocent among us, which is of course babies in their mother's womb. They do this by uh, positioning their all of their clinics. They're positioned in the highest abortion areas. They're often right next door to these abortion mills where unspeakable evil takes place every single day. And what preborn does is it's very simple. Once a woman who goes in, she's scared, she doesn't know how she's gonna make it work, she doesn't, you know, her, her, her loved ones have abandoned her, and she's shown an ultrasound of the baby that's inside her, showing her it's not a clump of cells, it's actually a real baby, and it's your baby. Um, it's so much more often that she chooses life, and every time a baby's saved, which happens 200 times a day, good is taking one step forward to conquering evil. So please, please, would you consider giving a generous gift to empower good and rescue precious souls over at Preborn? For just $28, you can sponsor an ultrasound that will double a baby's chance at life. You can donate securely by dialing pound 250 and say the keyword baby, or you can go to preborn.com slash Sarah. There is no H in that. That's preborn.com slash Sarah. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. Loudoun County High School students staged a walkout on Wednesday demanding that the district restore girls-only and boys-only restrooms and locker rooms. Now, this is obviously in Virginia, and this particular one is Woodgrove High School. Um, this is policy 8040 that allows non-binary and trans-identifying individuals to use the restroom and locker room facilities that align with their gender identity rather than their biology. Now, um, it's fascinating to watch the students, the, the children become the adults in this matter because it's a matter that I know we've, we've covered exhaustively here um, on this show, but also it's just common sense that not only are you talking about, um, you know, biology, but you're also talking about uh, boys who have hormone levels at like sky high, <laughs> okay? to think that that wouldn't be abused so that they can go and get a peep show in the girls' locker room is ridiculous. Um, I want to play a, a male student speaking to reporters uh, talking about the invasion of privacy um, when it comes to allowing this transgender policy in these uh, women's and men's spaces. Watch. 
In the locker rooms in the morning, it's it's an invasion of privacy, as I said, because when men and natural-born males are in our locker rooms and they are showering in the morning, natural-born females can walk in there as they please and as they want to do so, and that is not okay, and it goes against what we believe in. So to his point, females, also hormones, very high. I want to play this other student here talking about how uncomfortable he feels uh, he would feel changing after football practice. Watch. I want to be able to, when I get off of football practice, to go put my pads away and change with not feeling uncomfortable with other genders in there watching me. Especially, I feel the girls should feel the same way about the situation. How would you feel if you're a female changing with a male in the restroom? It's a massive safety risk. And they don't do anything about it. And we express these concerns and they ignore us and write us off as right-wing crazies. We're not crazy. We just don't want to be in danger on a daily basis in this building. Now, um, sensible, right? It is. And I commend these students for what they're doing and for standing up for their own rights. Um, It is a little worrisome to me that I didn't. Maybe the parents were in the background, but I'm like, why are the parents not? showing up to this as well, why is it the students that are taking this head on? Um, Because you'd like to see the parents, I know there's been a lot that's gone on in Loudoun County, um, but you would like to see the parents show up uh, and push back at a time like this as well. One of those situations where I feel like I also know what Eric is about to say. Well, yeah, why are they there? As, yeah. uh, how about walk all the way out? Exactly. Uh, you know what exactly. I mean? Like that, that would be my preference. Get your kids the hell out of public schools. I, I've said it a million times, <laughs> and this is just yet another example, because you have your children are smarter than the people, or at least the administration that is supposedly uh, looking after them while you're at work doing your thing. Uh, so they do sound a lot more rational than what some of uh, blue blue haired crazy that probably worked for the administration um, that facilitated this actually being implemented into their schools. It's such a nonsensical policy by itself, but especially something that's being put upon uh, a, a group a group of youth that shouldn't even be like worrying about this type of stuff. This right. shouldn't even be a, a, of concern. It was not of concern when we were growing up. This is to even think about that is hard to believe. You know, putting yourself in when we were in high school and thinking like that. Mm-hmm. That's the conversation now. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. how crazy things have 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 got these days. I mean, I, I wasn't that far removed from being uh, in high school, but it goes go show how quick this thing uh, accelerated. And now you have the people that are entrusting these adults uh, to lead them down a, a more of a righteous path, at least preserving their innocence in some sort of way. And now you feel like you're smarter than them because to that uh, uh, young girl's point, she's like, we, 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 they write us off like we're crazy when we're just explaining to them just basic stuff. And that's sad. Which which to add to your point, Eric, I mean, in I said there's been a lot that's happened in Loudoun County in 2021. There was a female that was sexually assaulted by a male wearing a skirt in the bathroom like. It's not just it's not just conjecture. It's not just them predicting that this might happen. It has happened in the past. That's what they can point to and say, this is literally happening. We're not right wing crazies. This happened and we don't want it to happen to anyone else. It's very true. Um, and, you know, I think you listen, you think about these type, type of topics. We talk about stuff all the time. And you, there's a couple different ways you care about them, right? Like sometimes you care about them on a personal level. Sometimes you care about them on a societal level. I watch things like this and I care about them on a societal level. I feel bad for these kids who are in the middle of the situation and it's not their choosing. Uh, on a personal level, it, it doesn't affect me that much. Why? Because as you point out, my kids don't go to public school. Yeah. I don't have to worry about this. If they start, if my school, kids' school starts doing something like this, I will take them yeah, out and I will exactly. go to... 
another school immediately. It's a good time to remind everyone, at least here in Texas, that we're in the middle of a fight over school choice, um, where I should not be taxed twice to send my kids to school, which is the current situation. And of course, you know, school choice exists already for people who have the money to do it, right? And it's unfortunate that people who don't have that money get forced into schools uh, like this. And just to highlight how crazy this is and how fast this has changed, in 2009, um, India passed a series of policies to modernize their schooling system. You know, people were like, we're stuck in the dark ages here. Let's get the basics here done. And they did a bunch of different things. One of the planks, 2009, of this to modernize their school system was to guarantee gender-specific restrooms. That was a year after I graduated. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That was the first year that they said, hey, definitely you're going to have a women's restroom and a men's restroom. We are going in reverse here, guys. We are going back to pre-2009 India, and that is not the right direction, even according to India. Yeah. So, I mean, let's... You At some point, you believe that common sense is going to win out in these situations. It feels too slow, and if you happen to have a 14-year-old girl who's going to one of these schools, it doesn't matter really to you personally if it changes in five years or 10 years or 20 years. What matters is right now. That's a good point. Right. Absolutely. Right. And I know, I know uh, Eric's going to share my my sentiment here. I know that people, because just because we bitch about public schools all the time, and I'm going to say something like, at the very least, if you all band together and pull your kids out, they will make the changes because they won't get the funding if the kids are not attending. But people will go, well, I but I work and I can't figure I promise you, you can figure it out. It may mean making a sacrifice it's that not, you don't want to make. not for your kids, Sarah, then for who? I know. I know. I, I, that's what I'm saying. It may mean making a sacrifice. It may mean giving up something else over here. But... I also think there are, just just to prove a point, it's not just private school you can send them to. There are a lot of misconceptions about homeschool. I have done it. I can speak from experience. It's not an eight to five thing. Like they want you to send your kids to indoctrination camps, you know, from eight to 3.30. My kids, well, one, one kid, the other one was an infant. I mean, an hour, an hour and a half, and we were done. So you're actually working on working yes, rather than exactly. working on do, screwing around and walking from class to class exactly. and taking attendance. Yes. Like, the attendance is easy in that situation. It really it's is. It's just them. That's right. it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And they're already in my house. So it's very easy. Yeah. So I just would encourage people. I just feel like you give away your power so easily to the government and to government indoctrination camps. And it just really doesn't have to be that way. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break. But we want to thank our sponsor first, my bookie. So um, I have noticed Stu's shirt today, and it has not made me very happy. America's team right here so for the Eagles. if you want to bet against the Eagles, <laughs> you can do that at, uh, at MyBookie, which, you know, it's fun betting on your favorite sports teams, and it can be profitable when you have a good sense of what you're doing. So that's where a good sports book can come in handy. But how do you know you're choosing the right one? When your money is on the line, you need to trust a tr- you need to choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like MyBookie, where it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. You can use it for a daily odds boost, same gay parlays, and take advantage of really big prize pool contests. Plus, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quickly. You can use promo code NEWS on your first deposit. Receive up to $200 in cash. That is promo code NEWS to claim your cash bonus now. Try the MyBookie money bag to grab a potential Super Bowl frontrunner at long shot odds. 
you can go to mybookie.com, promo code news. All right, it's Friday, and we haven't gotten uh, to a Dear Sarah in a while, so we're going to do one. Remember, you can uh, send us your, I don't know, you need advice, and Dear Abby's dead, so you can send us whatever you want answered over at DearSarahAtTheBlaze.com. I'm totally sending one next week. Oh, gosh. I regret this already. I have some questions. I regret this already. So Tired Dad says, uh, Joe Biden says I'm better off than I was under Donald Trump. This is insane. I worked 48 hours a week when Trump was in office, and due to the low cost of fuel and food, things were getting better for the first time in years. Middle-class Americans, I think, for the first time in decades, felt hope, real hope. I saw myself starting to save money even with two kids in high school. Now, I currently have only my daughter in school, and she's a senior with college looming shortly. For the first time in 11 years, my company has told me I'm not allowed to work overtime. This cost me around $1,000 a month. After being forced for several months to use a credit card to buy food and pay my utilities, I've taken on a second job working another 30 hours a week on the weekends just to be able to buy food with actual money, hopefully. I live cheaply. I'm working seven days a week and 70 hours a week. I'm honestly worried I'll live in my car by this time next year. What are your thoughts? I'm almost 58 years old, by the way. Does this sound like I'm living the American dream? I love Blaze and I love your show. You guys keep us going. Keep up the good fight. Um, It's really, really like enraging um, and upset. Uh, and frustrating um, hearing people. There's so many people around this country with stories like this, and it doesn't have to, it didn't have to be this way, right? It didn't have to be this way. These are direct consequences of Joe Biden's horrible policies and actions. And um, uh, no, it doesn't sound like you're living the American dream. This isn't what America was supposed to be. Um, I, I would say I am hopeful that this election, we can turn things around. Um, But Donald Trump is gonna need to figure out how to rein in spending, because that was also a problem with him. Um, I am hopeful, though, that, you know, while there are a lot of Americans who share this, uh, this issue, I think hopefully if we actually share this frustration with these people we have elected into power, We've got to all be telling them, we've got to all be putting the pressure on them to change these policies around before it's too late. We've got about a minute if you guys want to give any um, final thoughts well, on that. Well, that's what has to happen. People have to understand why that is the case. I yeah. mean, I think if people are now feeling it, their pockets are being hit by it, and they just need to understand where that stuff stems from. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what they have next to their name. You brought up the spending exactly. efforts. Those have been, have been terrible. They've been atrocious, and it's only gotten worse, and your last president had a lot to do with it. I'm spending a, a crazy amount of time. This is what happened during 2020. Crazy amount of money uh, during a time of economic inactivity. Mm-hmm. That was a recipe for absolute disaster, and we're still going to be feeling that for uh, uh, going forward. So the only way to turn this back is to for them to rein it in. For the Federal Reserve, through, I would argue, needs to be completely eliminated, may not get that at minimum, be audited. But you have to understand why your money isn't going as far. Yeah, still last one. Bidenomics strikes back, right? This is what it is. Um, and uh, we actually made uh, shirts, the Bidenomics strikes back shirts, available at studosmerch.com. Um, remember, I have to put my kids through private school, so please buy some. Um, but uh, it's true. This is the fact. This is what is it's going on. And the fact that Joe Biden has taken responsibility for it by calling it Bidenomics is the biggest gift to any Republican candidate we've ever seen. They better take advantage of this because, I mean, it's going to be hard to screw up, frankly. They'll figure out a way. But let your voice be heard. Do not give up. Put the pressure on them. It's the only way to get things done. And uh, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. 
right, a new viral video uh, has reignited a debate over airplane etiquette. I want to play this uh, woman who is fighting with the passenger behind her on an airplane because she had put her seat back. Here is some of that. The whole trip, she pushed my seat. You no, you've seen it. it. No, she didn't. She put, no. I'm allowed to put my seat back. I'm allowed to put my seat back. I'm allowed to put my seat back. All right. You're flying in an airplane in coach. Are you allowed to put your seat back? You are, of course, allowed to put your seat back. However, I never put my seat back I because I, I've seen people in front of me put their seat back, and usually they just fly flies back, and my drink almost spills on mm -hmm. me, and I can't. Uh, it hits my knees and, and everything else. So I would I would advise against it. I mean, the fact that the button's there to recline it, I think makes makes it seem that you'd be allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. But as a courtesy, unless you absolutely have to, I try to avoid it. You're allowed to do it. It just you're probably an asshole, but you're allowed to be an. Get two. There's two of them, Eric. <laughs> there were 20 seconds left, and I blew it. Eric, final words. Uh, I can't relate. I don't fly coach anymore. Oh, oh my God. Over here. Oh, of course. Oh, get to the said. private runway. Wow. Business class one time said I'm never flying coach again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to come up with a comic book. Hey. <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.